0: Thank you. Not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flow at the cross.
1: I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure,
0: wellspring of my soul. Trust in him, no other. My
1: soul is satisfied in him. Good
2: evening. As we gather today, as Chin begins to play, let's just quieten our hearts as we come before the Lord tonight. to come before the Lord this evening. Lord, indeed you are our rock, our salvation. You are the God whose steadfast love lasts forever and ever. If you're joining us to worship for the first time today, we welcome you. Today we're going to be celebrating the Holy Communion, a reminder for us of the great feast that awaits us in heaven as we put our trust in the Lord. just to take 30 seconds to quieten our hearts. Say that it is in God alone that we put our trust.
3: every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope, in Christ the Lord, I place my trust, and find my glory in the power. Every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope. Let stand in Christ alone.
4: I place my
1: trust and
3: find my glory. Sing it out and in every village.
5: Hear these commandments which God has given to his people and take them to heart. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not bow down to any grieven image. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Honor your father and your mother. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law you shall not commit murder. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not commit adultery. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not steal. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not bear false witness. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not covet anything. Lord, have mercy upon us, and incline our hearts to keep this law. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments, and to live in love and peace with all men. Let us sit or kneel. This is a period of Lent and we want to invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and the Ten Commandments that was read to you and we responded and let it sink into our conscious and unconscious that we may confess our sins before the Almighty God. Let us together as a corporate body of Christ confess with these words. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
2: God's forgiven people. Let's stand, let's rise as we continue in worship. Don't need to go around because we'll be sharing the peace later, but just give someone next to you a high five and say, we want to sing of God's amazing grace. We want to sing of God's
1: chaos back into all oh.
3: king who conquered the great, what is the lamb who was slain?
1: we
2: Enough, cry. you Lord, you indeed, you alone are the God who's worthy of all our praise. You alone are the God who creation groans for your return. You alone are the God who is worthy of a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Our hearts long to worship you Yet words alone fail, but words are all that we can offer. And right now, Lord, as one church, we offer our whole bodies, our words, our bodies, our minds, our souls, our hearts. And we say, Lord, let them be a fragrant, pleasant offering unto you. Because you are the one that all creation longs to worship. Open our eyes to this truth help us to worship you.
4: Who else who rose cry out to worship? Whose glory taught the stars to shine? Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing. But this joy
1: we sing that again who else would rocks cry out to worship whose glory taught the stars to shine perhaps creation longs to have the words to say but this joy is smile.
3: Die for our redemption. Which resurrection means our rise. There isn't time enough to sing of all you've done. But I have eternity.
1: Praise
4: to the Lord, to the Lamb, to the King
1: of heaven, praise for heroes. Let's just lift
2: our hands and sing.
3: Has down to generations. The Son of God is teaching us to pray and echoed words Father, have your will, your will in me. Completely we wholly trust.
1: We wholly trust. A faithful improvation Amazing Grace. Will be done, our Father.
6: This is our prayer. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, this is the prayer that you taught us, the Lord's Prayer. May we not not neglect the privilege of coming into your presence and praying daily, always. Thank you, Lord church as we now come into a time of intercession can I invite all of you to take a seat as we look to the Lord this afternoon we ask you O God that in your mercy hear our prayer brothers and sisters let us join our hearts and let us pray for the church and for the world and let us thank the Lord our God for His goodness Almighty God our Father You promise, through Your Son Jesus Christ to hear us when we pray in faith We come before You and pray for, and ask of You that You strengthen our Bishop Titus and all your church in the service of christ that those who confess your name may be united in your faith live together in your love and reveal your glory in the world we pray for your church during this season of lent as each one of us turn our hearts and turn our eyes to you during this during this period of reflection, may we take time to look at ourselves that we will invite your Spirit to examine our lives and as you surface anything that needs renewal, anything that we need to correct, may your Holy Spirit grant us the strength to do so. Father, even at this time, we also ask that you are blessed, our guide, our president, our prime minister, the cabinet ministers. Grant them, O God, your wisdom. Grant wisdom to all in authority and direct this nation and every nation in the way of justice and peace that we may honour one another and seek the common good Father we want to pray for the countries in the world that have just suffered some natural disasters we ask of you for your mercy we ask of you that you stretch forth your healing hand upon those who need a touch from you Father, we pray for your children in this country. That Lord, that they will seize every opportunity to be your hand extended. To be your hand extended of love, of comfort, of strength to the people who are suffering. So God, we just ask of you, Lord, once again for your favour. Upon this country and also for our nation. We pray, O God, that you grant grace to our families, our friends, and to all our neighbors, that we may serve you and one another and love one another as you have loved us. Father, we pray, Lord that the love of Christ, that your love was so compelled us to reach out to one another in love, that others may see our good works and know that we are your disciples. Comfort and heal those who are suffering in body, mind, and spirit. Grant them, O God, courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation at this time can i invite you just to name those whom you know who are suffering in their body and mind or spirit let's ask for god's healing touch to be upon them Father, you hear the cry of every one of us here, the names that have been offered to you. Lord, we just pray that you, we come to you this afternoon as the great physician. So won't you, our great physician, stretch forth your hand and touch those who are suffering in body, mind and spirit. May they find peace in you. May they find comfort in you. And we pray especially this afternoon for their caregivers. Father, we pray for patience. We pray for wisdom and understanding. As this caregiver care for the sick at home or in the office. So Lord, we also want to remember those who have died in the faith of Christ according to your promise. Grant us with them a share of your eternal kingdom. So Father, we come before you this afternoon and we ask of you, merciful Father, that you accept this prayer for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.
2: Amen. I'm going to bring us a few announcements for today. Um, First up, if anyone is free, uh, I'm going to have Eugene come up and then Ychong to come up in a little bit. But first up, if anyone is free on the 16th, 17th, and 18th of March, 16th, 17th, and 18th of March, Youth Alpha could really use your help. As of yesterday, there are 56 AHS students signed up for Alpha. 56. (laughs) So um, we will need your help. If you're free, just contact me. Um, You know my number. You can find me after service. If you're free to be a facilitator, game master, logistics person, so on and so forth. Some uh, some people have already responded. Yeah, but if you're free, we could use the help. I'm going to invite Eugene to come and share a little bit about the BB fundraising walk around Bernouk Reservoir that will happen on the 8th of April this year, after which Wai Chong can come and share about the E5 Men's talk. Then we'll play a video for
7: Church Camp. Um okay. Yep, good evening church. Um my name is Eugene and um this year we are very the E5 Men's Ministry as well as the Boys Brigade, BB, is very pleased to um bring about this second edition of the fundraising walk which we had uh, last year sometime in April. So we will be having the walk on the Easter Saturday morning at Berdut Reservoir um, more or less the same format as last year but the only change is that we will ha- be having this scheme for uh, this year's walk. So there will be three um, schemes. So if you just um, direct your attention to the screen for the personal scheme, if you come for the walk, you'll be helping the Boys Brigade raise $10, and if you, under the matching scheme, if you come for the walk, and also donate at least $50 to the BB Week, you'll be uh, helping the Boys Brigade raise another $50, and under the multiply scheme, um, if you do all three of them, uh, go for the walk, donate $50, as well as bring a pre-believer for the walk, then um, you'll be helping the Boys Brigade raise $100, so um, really appreciate your support um, for the walk, so do, if if you are available on Easter Saturday morning, do block out the date, yeah. Thank you.
0: Hi, uh, my name is Wai Chong, I'm from the Men Ministry, uh, later you will see a slide, uh, yes, there's the slide. Uh, recently, the Men Ministry has kick-started a series of uh, topic forum on the living out the Christian life in a secular world. The question is, how do we actually think, act and interact with uh, people in the marketplace, especially non-believers? Uh, as the scripture said, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ, and our lifestyle is actually a form of weakness to the people around us. So I Invite all men, uh, sorry this is exclusively for men, not for the ladies, I want to make it clear. Maybe next time we can have a session for the ladies as well, uh, to come. Uh, you don't have to come, sorry. It's via Zoom on 18 March, this is uh, three Saturday from now, at 10 a.m. Okay, uh, come and share with us and um, we were, see from the scripture how uh it come alive and applicable to our uh, daily walk with uh, jesus christ and how do we lift up our christian walk with him thank you
4: i'm
1: ready for church camp.
2: hey jenna I'm ready for church. Them? Are you bored? What's wrong with this? I've been wearing this for the entirety of my
1: life, since PSLE, O-Levels, A-Levels, ARMY. You know it's perfect for the hot weather. I've been wearing this all the time, and it suits every single scenario. Well,
4: they've been through a lot, so I think it couldn't hurt to try new shoes. But it's so comfortable. Oh. How about these? But... But
1: this has been with me all my life. I don't see why I need to change.
4: You know, new shoes could always be better than the old ones. Why don't you just try it? I mm, mean, fine,
1: but... You know, if you really
2: want to...
4: While he wears his shoes, kinos is the Greek word for new.
1: Wow. Wait! This actually feels amazing. Why did I not change earlier? Exactly.
4: You always got to Let's go for church camp! Let's church. This year, our camp is Kynos. I know, Kynos isn't the name of a shoe brand, but Kynos is the Greek word for new. And this year, we are preparing ourselves for the new thing that God is doing in our church. For in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. As much as it was hard for Tihan to let go of his old shoes, finally accepting and putting on the new pair of shoes made it all worth it. So as we are gearing up for church camp, may we all stay excited for the new thing that God has installed for us. Good evening, church. Uh, Today's scripture reading is taken from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 5. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. For each one should carry their own load. This is the Word of God.
8: Be to God. Church, shall we rise as we receive the Gospel reading? The Gospel reading for this evening can be found on the Gospel of St. Matthew at the 5th chapter, reading from verse 38-38. To 42. Glory to Christ our Savior. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 38 to verse 42. Jesus said this You have heard that what it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well and if anyone forces you to go one mile go with him two miles give to the one who backs from you and do not refuse the one who borrow from you this is the gospel of christ praise to christ our lord shall we bow our heads as we commit this time to god in prayer so gracious and heavenly father we once again thank you for your word we ask of you that lord as we listen May our ears be attentive to what you have to say and that, Lord, we will be obedient in our hearts. In everything that we do, we bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, will you please be seated? (coughs) Richard Mao, a theologian and lecturer from Fuller Seminary, rightly made this comment. He said, We were created for kind and gentle living, But when we Christians fail to measure up to the standards of kindness and gentleness, we are not the people God meant us to be. And so the question that I want to raise to ask this evening is this, are we Christians, you and I, are we known for being gentle in our dealings with one another? You know, you probably may have heard stories whereby volunteers and staff in Christian conferences, they revealed that sometimes the most respected and the most popular speakers who drew the largest crowds happen to also be the most impatient and rude. Others in the service industry describe Christians dining in their outlet as the most ungracious patrons. Why? Because they were loud, they were noisy, and get this, they are demanding. What about within the church? When someone within our church that we know eventually in a couple reveals that they're going through a divorce, would the probably respond be one of a condemning tone? Or consider a family, maybe whose son develops an addiction or the daughter becomes pregnant outside of marriage? Would church member react by gossiping about poor parenting skills under the guise of praying for them the list goes on and on it appears that when experiencing tough and difficult times it is the non-christians who are much more kinder and gentler than christians who attend church those affected seems to receive more grace more understanding more compassion than from us christians Where the church is supposed to be the safest place to be vulnerable and open turns out to be the toughest venue for anyone who is hurt. It seems that it is outside the church that is the preferred destination for healing rather than inside the church. No wonder Mark Twain commented, He says that if Christ were here now, there is one thing he would not be, a Christian. But church, listen to this. You and I as Christians, we should be caring and gently bearing each other's burdens. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul was implying as he wrote to the Galatian church. In verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens burdens however if we dwell into the passage for this evening you find that in today's reading there appears to be a kind of a contradiction between what paul says in verses 2 and verse (coughs) 5 whereas you have heard in verse 2 he says we are to bear one another's burdens but then if you go to verse 5 he then writes by saying for each will have to bear his own load how then do we make sense of this was Paul contradicting himself? Did Paul make a mistake? Well, in truth, there is really no contradiction between these two verses at all. Because you see that the burden that Paul refers to in verse 2 is the kind of a heavy load, or to precise, a trial that is very difficult to bear. Whereas in verse 5, as the word says, it is a load, a reference here to mean as though you're carrying something on your back, just like a soldier's backpack. So in essence, the burden that is mentioned here in verse 5 are the certain burdens in our own personal life that only you alone can bear. It is a responsibility that cannot be delegated to others as it has to be, be fulfilled by you alone as the individual. So, for instance, if you are a father, that's your load. That's your responsibility. Your responsibility to your family, to your responsibility to your children. That load, that responsibility cannot be transferred to anyone else. Or to use another example, if you happen to be a manager of a top company, that's your responsibility. That's your load. It is your responsibility to ensure that the company keeps afloat and is doing Well, So that's the load that Paul refers to in verse 5. But when you look in verse 2, on the other hand, what Paul is referring to here is the burdens of life that are too heavy for one person to carry alone. And as I mentioned earlier, this could be trials of life and the crisis that we all face. And this can include things, matters relating to health, to finance, to maybe even relationships. And so faced with this admonition then from Paul, (coughs) Paul is telling us that as a body of Christ, if you know anyone who's facing this burden, what we need to do as believers, as Christians, is that we should gently bear or carry each other's burdens. And to be clear, the context of the passage here, the burden that he's referring to is the restoration of a fallen believer who is caught In transgression, verse 1. In other words, when someone within the body of Christ has been overtaken by sin, and whatever that sin may be, the point is, as Christians in the church, we don't brush it off, we don't ignore it, we don't neglect the person. Rather, what we ought to be doing is to be willingly help him or her bear the burden by restoring him. But very often, the tendency for all of us is that when such situation arises, what do we do? Instead of confronting the situation, we often neglect it. And friends, let me just say that when we do this, it does not reflect discipleship. And so as we look into this passage, we find that Paul points out to three things that I would like to suggest to us as we look into this passage. (coughs) He tells us what we should be doing, two, why we should do it, and three, how we should go about doing it. So let's start with what we should do according to verse 1. If you have your Bibles, turn with me again to Galatians 6 verse 1. And Paul says this, that brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And I want to emphasize here that Paul is emphasizing in this, word, in this verse the word restore. We are to restore, not rejoice. You see, Paul does not instruct us to gloat, to look down, or to laugh at the person who sinned. No. Granted that some people, you know, may actually enjoy it when when they see other Christians fall. Why? Because it makes them look good. They proudly proclaim that they are not like these people. But bear in mind, Paul is telling us when someone, when a Christian brother or sister fall, we are not to rejoice, we are not to gloat, but we are to restore. You know, the City Harvest case many years back involving Pastor Kongi and five others in his leadership is a case in point. They may be in the wrong, but the rest of us in the Christian community, we are affected also. And so when we say that, you know, we laugh at them, you know, we are actually affecting our own self because the eye cannot say, I'm happy that the foot is injured. Neither can the hand say that, you know, the, 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 if the leg is injured, that's not my problem. We are to restore one another in the body of Christ. And so, likewise, when someone here in All Saints, when we stumble, and it's possible that we stumble because we are not perfect beings, we can stumble along the way. And what we should be doing, when we know of anyone who is doing this, we should not reveal it to everybody, but when someone sinned, we are to, we are, we are. Not to hang out the dirty linens, but we are to restore the person. Now, I want you to turn with me to an interesting passage to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9 verse 18 and reading from verse 23. We have this account here of Noah. We read in Genesis chapter 9 verse 18 that the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Verse 20, Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Now the background of this interesting passage (laughs) happens to be when the flood was already dispersed, the ark was landed in Mount Ararak. And so, Noah and the family came out from the ark, they started anew, they started a a fresh, and we are told here that Noah happens to be a man of the soil, meaning to say that he was a farmer. And what did he do? We are told that he planted a vineyard. And so, when the harvest came, he he was enjoying the, the fruits of his harvest, he was drinking wine, and so he happened to enjoy himself that he became drunk. But then, as he lay drunk in his tent, it so happened that he was also naked. Now, let's learn what happened next. Verse 22, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So what happened here was that when Noah got drunk and laid in his tent naked, his younger son, Ham, unfortunately happens to f- discover the nakedness of his father. And what did he do? We are told that he told his brothers about it. Now, the impression here tells us that he did not just tell his brothers, you know, daddy is drunk, you know, he's lying naked on, in, in his tent. No. The impression here that we are, we get the sense here was that he kind of mocked his father. He kind of laughed at the father, telling the bride, hey, you know, dad is in, you know, in his room, he's naked, you know, that sort of an attitude. But what did Ham and Shepard, and, and Jefford did? We are told that with the backstern, they entered into the tent and covered their father. So you see, Ham, instead of restoring his father's dignity, he mocked He gloated, he laughed. That's not bearing one another's burden. But his two other brothers restored their their father's dignity, and this is what it means to bear each other's burden. So once again, to be clear, when we bear one another's burden, it is simply to restore the individual. It is not to tolerate, it is not to reject, it is not to judge or condemn, but it is, to gently bring the person back to where he was originally. To bear one another's burden is likened to a doctor treating a person with broken bones with much tenderness. It's likened to a fisherman mending his nets for if it's not done, it will will continue to tear and it will be rendered as useless. So you see, in using this two analogy, when we restore a wayward Christian, it is like setting the bones straight or mending nets that are torn. And again, this is what it means to bear one another's burdens. This is what we should be doing. But why should we do it? Paul now highlights to the Galatians in this passage, he gives two reasons why, as Christ's disciples, you and I, we are to carry each other's burdens. And the first reason has to do with our ties as family of Christ. Now, I want you to observe that in the very beginning of this verse, notice how Paul addressed his readers. They are recognized as his brothers, meaning to say they are part, belonging to him as a family of Christ. And so, restoring one another is a family matter and is seen As a big thing. When our loved ones drift away from us, we don't want to see this happening, isn't it? In our family, when we may have a a, a conflict with our siblings or with our family members, we don't want this to continue. We want to bring them back together very much like how a shepherd seeks out the one lost sheep. We make every effort to restore, to reconcile. And when we succeed, we rejoice. And so similarly, again, as a church, we love the members of our spiritual family. We love each other, and we should be caring for the household of faith. And if we know of anyone that is caught in any transgression, we who are the spiritual mature, we should attempt to restore those who have fallen. We are not to let them suffer, or to let them overcome the difficulty by themselves. And this is again why Paul further adds in verse 10. He says, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. And being in this household of faith, being part of the family of God, if any one of us fall, it is our responsibility to reconcile them back to God, to restore them back to the original position. And the second reason, as Paul stated, why we should do this is because it has to do with God's law. He says in verse 2, we are to bear one another's burden so as to fulfill the law of Christ. Now Now, what is this law which Paul was referring to? Well, Jesus spells this out for us in John chapter 13, verse 34, when he told his disciples, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. And you find that this love command is repeated in one way or another over a thousand times in the New Testament. And so we restore one another because we love one another. We restore people because of our, not only for our love for one another as Christians, but because we are obedient to the Word of God. And as a body of Christ, we ought to be loving one another, and part of this love is manifested by showing when we know of someone who has sinned, we go forth and restore the person gently and with love. Now, it is of no use if we are told what we should do and why we should restore if the part on how is missing. And so we find that the final instruction that Paul gives to the Galatian Christian is on how we should restore the person who has fallen. And this concerns our action. And again, if you look in verse 1, Paul insists that we restore the fallen one with a spirit of gentleness. With a spirit of gentleness and this means that we do not do so in a condemning way but we do so with an attitude of wanting to go forth to help the person overcome the difficulty to gently restore implies showing love showing concern very much like the example of a baby who's being nursed by his or her mother you know the parable of the good samaritan that jesus told in luke chapter 10 it's an excellent text that teaches us how we can gently love and bear each other's burden and i think we all know the story very well the good samaritan (coughs) happens to be someone who came across a man who was injured before him was the priest and the levite they came they saw the injured man they did nothing but the good samaritan upon seeing the injured man shows us how we can gently restore, how we can gently care, how we can gently bear each other's burdens. What did the good Samaritan do? Well, if you look into your Bible and if you know the story, we are told in verse 34, he did this. Upon seeing the injured man, he bound his wounds, he poured oil and wine, he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn. I think we can say, wow, that's a lot of things to be done, isn't it? (laughs) I think for many of us, we would say, ah, yeah, enough lah, Binding his wounds is good enough, you know. But no, he didn't stop there. The good Samaritan bind the injured man's wound, poured oil and wine, and then put him on his donkey and brought him to an inn. We can say, well, that's a lot. I think he could stop here. But no, continue on to verse 35. We read that the good Samaritan told the innkeeper that he will pay the innkeeper and then told the innkeeper that he will reimburse him of any extra when he comes back again. I wonder how many of us are willing to do this. The good Samaritan in carrying, in bearing the burden of the person went all out. I know perhaps some of you may be thinking right now, (coughs) You know, pastor, to do this is really taking up a lot of time. And perhaps maybe that's the reason why many of us, we don't want to do this. It takes up a lot of our time. And sometimes we find that sometimes even what we try to help the person, the person may not respond. But nevertheless, the word of the Lord teaches us that as Christians, it is our responsibility within the church, within the body of Christ. If we know of anyone who has fallen into transgression, It is our responsibility to restore him or her. As Christians, we have this privilege. As Christians, it is our joy to be bearing one another's burden, to help those in need to find their way back. And you know, let me just say that when you are carrying the burden of these people, you become a blessing to the one you're assisting So church, as we end this simple sharing this evening, may we learn to live out this life of God's calling for all of us by gently bearing one another's burdens. And let me just close by also saying that, you know, we ought to do this because we know that our Lord Jesus himself, he set the example by carrying our burdens, by carrying our sins all the way to the cross. And so today, I just want to open up this opportunity that if any of you, you you are carrying right now a certain burden, it could be a shattered dream or a wounded heart, I want you to know that you can turn to Jesus. You can turn to Jesus who is strong, kind, and gentle. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling that you need some help in the situation that you are going through. Will you turn to Jesus? Turn to Jesus, who will turn your cares and sorrows into joy? Let's pause as we reflect over the words that's been shared. Hallelujah. Let's reflect on the words of
2: this really simple song. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come
3: to Him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to Him.
1: Jesus.
3: should come to him for she
5: Sisters, I invite you to stand. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Let us not pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us share with one another the sign of peace.
2: We're gonna take the offer tree. As we take the offer tree as the offer tree back goes around. As we take the offer tree today, I'm just gonna to sing of how we're gonna build our lives in our father. Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
3: Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring.
1: every other name, Jesus, the only one who could ever save.
5: Let's say the offertory sentence Yours Lord Is the greatness, the power, the glory The splendor and the majesty For everything in heaven And on earth is yours All things come from you And of your own do we give you